Hello, this is Ed Hill, host of the Memphis Home Maintenance Show. We're so glad to have you with us today. Thank you very much. On this podcast, we're going to be somewhat more subdued. We usually have a great time on our podcast, but we're going to get right into it today, and it's it's somewhat, well, not somewhat, it's a very somber time in Tennessee as the Nashville area, the greater Nashville area, I might add, is in disaster recovery. And we, um, one of my friends did some surveys over there this week, and it's 50 miles of des and devastation. A very serious disaster recovery is underway, not only to uh, recover people who, who died in the uh, tornadoes and, and help those that were, uh, had damaged homes and were displaced, but to begin the long journey to rebuild the Nashville, Mount Juliet, Cookville, Tennessee area. So I thought today that we would do a very special podcast related to disaster recovery, first in, last to leave. And I want to guide those who may be listening from that general area as to some overall principles and concepts to to basically protect you as much as possible as you restore your businesses and your homes in that region of Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. But it also applies to many of you around the country who have faced similar situations or may obviously in the future face those from flooding, tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, and so forth. So let's get right to it. We're going to talk uh, about two broad areas here in this podcast today. We're going to talk about first in. In other words, who shows up first in a disaster recovery? Well, as you well know, if you have been part of this or you've faced this somewhere else in the country in the past, first in are, are always the people who are literally directly affected, where you perhaps are rescuing and helping neighbors, neighbors are helping you, the local fire departments, police departments, the medical community, and so forth. And that's very obvious that those are literally the first responders, truthfully, in this type of disaster. But going a step beyond that, uh, realizing that that already happens anyway, we're talking a little uh, more strategically here. First in, usually... In almost every situation, it's the Red Cross. The Red Cross is first in because it is an umbrella organization for multiple other organizations, governmental and NGOs, non-governmental organizations. And obviously, your local uh, city, county government, state government, the, the federal government responds to these large, devastating disasters. We know about that. We know about what the Red Cross does, but you might not realize that under that umbrella of the Red Cross are the non-governmental organizations. That might be nonprofits, churches, 
some, I'll give you an example for something like Samaritan's Purse that may deliver food and water to a disaster area or church organizations which it puts together disaster recovery teams. I belong to the uh, a Southern Baptist Church and many of our state conventions and many of our participating churches have teams of trained certified people that go out to these disaster areas and help with recovery. I'm not just talking about random people with a chainsaw. I'm talking about very organized, trained, certified teams to assist those who are affected by disasters. That, uh, that brings in water and food that it has to be obviously quickly restored, access to water and food, clean water and uh, food to, to nourish people who might not otherwise have anything to eat in many of these disasters, and obviously getting the utilities up and running. And our power companies, for all of the grief they take, I'm telling you, our power companies do an outstanding job of restoring the necessary electricity, uh, water services, and so forth to areas that are affected by disasters in uh, gas service as well, and so forth. Now, that's the first in. And a lot of that is, uh, I would say all of that is very safe because it is, uh, it's not easy to get into an area that's affected like the Nashville area is or, or like uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama was by that massive tornado years ago or areas around the country that have had flooding and fires and hurricanes and tornadoes and other places. So these are, these are people that are, are allowed in, organizations that are allowed in to assist with disaster recovery. So that is all set to go. But I, what I want to concentrate on today to be of service to you in the Nashville area and also anyone around the country who may listen to this in the future and encounter such a disaster. I want to talk with you a few minutes about not the first in, but the last to leave. The last to leave, and that would be contractors. And these are obviously for-profit contractors that come to your area to assist with the rebuilding. They may be commercial contractors working on businesses and, and schools. I know that the uh, one of the schools, I believe the middle school in Mount Juliet was, was heavily damaged. I believe it'll have to be rebuilt. So you will have uh, major heavy-duty contractors working on that, but and that is that is often highly um, uh, restrictive and registered and so forth, so no worries there. But what I want to concentrate on today are the smaller scale for-profit contractors. That would be um, carpenters, painters, roofing companies, foundation companies, um, just anything that has to do with putting businesses and home structures back together where they're livable again 
And even those um, homes, for example, that were not heavily damaged but still need some uh, TLC on the roofs and vinyl or aluminum siding and so forth. Now, the, this also has a, uh, an aspect of first in, last to leave. So we're, we're kind of going to break it down even there that way. In terms of for-profit contractors that are working, let's say, for example, on uh, single-family homes, that type of thing, there is a first in in that category as well. That would be con artists. Yeah, I said it, con artists. These are people who, who gain your confidence that they can put your home, uh, your life, so to speak, back into um, restored condition. And many times they are requiring or requesting money up front. And the pressure's put on like, look, we're busy. Everybody wants us if you're serious you know, you won't have any problem paying up front. We'll put you on our list. When we get to you, we'll do the work. Don't do it. <laughs> That's my best advice to you. Don't do that. I know that, that many of you are just completely distressed, heartbroken, and you want to restore things as fast as possible. Please avoid the temptation to pay contractors money up front and they haven't even done any work yet. Well, we need it for materials. Hey, if they're the right kind of contractor, they'll already have a, an established credit line with suppliers. They should not need your money to complete your project. Trust me on that. So you have con artists come in whose, whose whole intent is to separate you from your money. You have been duly warned. And those that heed what I'm saying will be protected from that. And those who say, well, you know, I know this person or I've heard of this company and I'm sure they're the right kind or I never heard of them, but they're doing work all over town. Those of you who ignore what I'm saying, there will be a big percentage of you that will be singing the blues later. So my best advice is the wrong kind of contractor. One of the big red flags is they won't require or say they need money up front to get started, get the materials, get the permits, whatever. Another type of first-in contractor, for-profit contractors, are those who, who are actually contractors and they really do the work, or they try to do the work, but they're, they're over their heads, so to speak, and they're looking for a quick buck. They're looking for easy money. They have They've been bedazzled by dollar signs. In fact, if you look hard enough, you can almost see the dollar signs in their eyes. Roofing companies are, are some of the companies that fall victim to, the, to this most easily. Let me explain. When you have, for example, a tornado come through an area, in the, 
in the area that was directly hit, obviously that's severely devastated. But even out from that, there can be structural issues in the roof. You know, siding can be blown off. There can be just issues that maybe that company does not normally deal with. And yet, um, and I'll even say that maybe they're trying truly to be of service to people. I'm going to be charitable on that. But even there, they may be in over their heads and they may be taking on work that they don't do all the time and it can lead to problems. (laughs) You know, Clint Eastwood, the great actor, in one of his movies, the character says, a man's got to know his limitations, right? You remember that. That is, that's true. And companies have to know their limitations too. A great roofing company that's truly great at roofing may be tempted to try to handle your siding work and, you know, truss work, carpentry work underneath the roof decking and, you know, well, yeah, we can do chimneys, you know, brick chimneys too, and they've never done one before in their life. Be careful about that. They're, they're moonstruck, as it were, by the potential to make lots and lots of money fast. And they may mean well, but they're getting themselves into a problem and you're going to be in it with them unless you're extremely careful. And they may not even be asking for money up front. They want to do the right thing, but they're not qualified. They're not experienced in certain areas. They may be able to handle the roof, but there's other things that need to be done first so that the roof can be done correctly. Does that make sense to you? Hey, whether you know it or not, I just gave you solid gold advice. Then among the first ends are contractors or even individuals who simply are incompetent. Whenever they touch a job, they never do it right. Their quality, you know, what's that? They don't even use that word. It's not in their vocabulary. Or their version of a quality job is is far short of what most normal people would consider a quality job. It could be painters, roofers, um, you know, flooring people, carpenters. Be very careful there. The truly incompetent. They mean well, they just can't deliver. And they hardly ever deliver. And the unqualified. That might be people that just, um, you know, they overestimate their abilities. They don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't be doing it. They're in the wrong line of work, but it's all they've ever known. Their daddy did it. Their granddaddy did it before them, and they were bad too. You, you don't want incompetent, unqualified contractors working on your home. Well, Ed, who's left? That's why we're doing this podcast. Here we go. We hit a home run right here, and you've listened for 15 minutes, and it's about to be worth it. You're, if, if your home is severely damaged, I don't mean one shingle's missing, and you live 10 miles away from where all of this occurred, but I'm talking about your roof is decimated. 
you know, the siding on your home has been blown off. It's just a wreck. This is not something you do very often in life. It's estimated that the average homeowner only replaces a roof, for example, you know, most of the time, two or three times in their whole lifetime. Now, for example, I've been involved with over 800 roof replacements working with the roofing contractor I work with. And yes, we are considering establishing a branch. We already had one before in Mount Juliet uh, just a few years ago, but uh, we're considering reestablishing a branch there, but that decision has not been firmly made. But if we come there, uh, we would be a good company to work with. You know, our, our work uh, stands on its own merit. We're easily vetted and all of that. But anyway, we're not there yet, and we may decide it, we, we should not come, but it, we'll decide that later. But anyway, I'm going to tell you how to find the right kind of company. Write this down. You will not remember it. Write it down. Number one, your roofing contractor, your painter, your siding company, your flooring company, foundation company, whatever, who, whatever contractors you, you're using, number one, should be state licensed, preferably in your state. So if you're listening from the Nashville area, one of your first questions is, show me your current state license from the state of Tennessee to do what you do. They should be able to show you that. It's not a big mystery. I mean, they either have it and can document it to you or they don't. Now, here's why being a state licensed contractor in Tennessee anyway is important. They have to be bonded with the state. It's a, a million dollar bond. I don't even remember what it is. It's a lot of money. You have to post a bond with the state of Tennessee. Something just goes terribly wrong. You're okay. There's a bond that's posted. They, because they're state licensed, have to carry, obviously, you know, the regular kind of insurance that you would expect, but also they have to carry workers' comp insurance. That way, if someone is hurt or dies on your construction project, it's okay. You're covered. You're bulletproof because the insurance is in place, workman's comp is in place, they're bonded, all of that. So I'm pretty sure if you're a homeowner, you quickly realize how important that is. Number two, factory endorsed, factory certified, manufacturer endorsed. You could write it any way you want. It's, they're endorsed by the makers of the products they install. For example, a roofer, maybe they're endorsed by GAF, Owens Corning, CertainTeed, Tamco, the manufacturer of the shingles. Endorsed in terms of they put the roof on per specifications, per code, and all of that. Now, did you know that very few roof companies are, are qualified in that way? It's less than 
of the roofing contractors in the United States. So if you're thinking, well, doesn't every company that does roofs have that? No, they don't. Very, very few. If you were to search out the company's door hanging your door, mailing you and all of that, you will find that almost none of them are state licensed. Almost none of them are factory endorsed by the shingle makers. And they're passing themselves off. This is how they do it. Say, we're, we're licensed, minded, and insured. And it's just like a, like a, log, a saying, a jingle that's quoted by every roofing company in the United States. And probably the license is a local business license where they're from, which may be Knoxville or Murfreesboro or Clarksville or, or Memphis even, but they just have a local business license. All that means is they filled out a form and paid the money. It doesn't even mean they know what they're doing. Do you see what I'm saying? A state license contractor, the owner of that company, has to pass a state exam just like a doctor, lawyer, a nurse, a teacher, a doctor in Tennessee. Now the light is starting to come on, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, do state licensed factory endorsed contractors charge a little more? A little more. I mean, it's not that much more, but it's worth it because of the safety, the security, and the, the, uh, the integrity of the work they do. Who knows what you're getting with Billy Bob, who started his roof contracting company three months ago, and, and he's just ecstatic that he's going to get all this work, but you don't even know if he knows what he's doing, right? I'm just telling you the truth here. It might not be what everybody wants to hear, but it's true. Then, um, even if a company's state license factory endorse, read their customer reviews. Well, Ed, where would I read that? How would I get that? It's easy. You ever heard of this thing called Google? Read their Google reviews. Well, they don't have any. They don't have very many. Hello? That ought to be giving you a red flag right there. If they're the right kind of company, they'll have a good many on there. And if they're the right kind of company, the bulk of those, like 99%, should be, you know, four or five stars. If you can't find their Google reviews or they get like, you know, most of their reviews are two or three stars or something, hey, just find another contractor. And you can go to something, uh, the reason I'm saying it this way is recently I said to somebody, bbb.org, and they said, what's that? <laughs> and I forgot, it's, it's almost a generational thing. In my generation, in my parents' generation, the idea of, of vetting a company on the Better Business Bureau by calling them locally or, or going on their uh, bbb.org and vetting a company was just considered standard practice. But um, millennials have come along, and they don't even know this exists. They only heard of Angie's List and all of that. But go to Google, do the Google reviews, go to the BBB. Now, here's some more gold, and you can thank me later. 
do not just look at their rating. Well, they have an A-plus rating. They have an A rating. I, I'm pretty sure I'm correct that even a brand-new company, when they get accredited with a BBB, start out, uh, I think it's with an A rating, and it's theirs to keep or lose. So depending on how long they've been in business, maybe they haven't even done enough work to really earn that A rating, really. But uh, many companies rapidly lose it because they just have issues. What you want to look for is a company that's been in business a long time, and they have lots of reviews, not five or ten. I'm talking about several hundred or more. And those customer reviews, you'll have some one-offers that where that customer that's impossible for anybody to please just puts a negative review on there. And it, the, re, the BBB will tell you, hey, the contractor tried to resolve the issue and we're satisfied that they gave an honest effort to do that. And, you know, we're not holding it against them. You can still read a negative review, but the BBB will tell you that, hey, the contractor made every reasonable effort to resolve it, right? And, and uh, it's not uncommon for great companies to have a few of those, but the, the vast bulk of their reviews ought to be, you know, people just going nuts over recommending them. And for example, Masters Roofing that I'm senior consultant with, you know, we've got that. We've got the Google reviews and the BBB reviews like that. But if you read the reviews of, uh, for example, in the Memphis area, many of our local roofing companies, if you read their reviews, A, many of them have very few. And in some cases, <laughs> those reviews that they do have are like a mixed bag, like a, you know, mostly bad and some good or something, you know, half bad, half good. But you listen, if you live in the Nashville area or you're listening from another area and you face a future disaster, BBB is a great resource to vet a paint company, roof company, plumbers, foundation, siding company, you know, fencing company, everything that might have to do with disaster recovery. Well, we usually sit, like I said, have a lot of fun on these podcasts and I know this has been a very tough time for Middle Tennessee. Our prayers and our thoughts are with you. And um, I just wanted to take the time to say that you're not forgotten. And I wanted to offer this to you as a, as a very small thing on my part, but I hope that somehow it helps scores, even hundreds of you, get uh, get into recovery and not be taken advantage of by dishonest or incompetent contractors. Thank you for listening. I'm so honored that you did so. Our prayers are with you. Tell other people about the Memphis Home Maintenance Show. It's not just for Memphis. It's for the entire United States. And if you live in the Memphis area, you need help with roofing advice roof replacement, roof repairs, assistance with storm claims, call me directly, 901-273-6594. Ed Hill, I'm not only the host of Memphis Home Maintenance Show, but I'm senior consultant with Masters Roofing in Memphis, Tennessee. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you.